0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and movies and TV shows and whatnot of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I am Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be covering... You know, after last week's episode, I feel like we need like a palate cleanser. I was just going to say that. Some yeah, palate cleanse is necessary. Something to, something to just get the horrible, horrible taste of street sharks out of our mouth and our minds and our... Various orifices, orificei, orifices, whatever. Oh, that's a that's a tale for a different show. <laughs> so uh this week we are going to be doing a great show, and that show is Freakazoid. Super teen extraordinary, Freakazoid, Freakazoid, run around in underwear, Freakazoid, Freakazoid, guess who's Washington D.C.? Freakazoid, Freakazoid, got something that's on TV. Freakazoid, Freakazoid. He's it has a go you can case for Floyd Freakazoid, Freakazoid
1: Check out Dexter Douglas, computer ace when surfing on the internet and was out cyber cyberspace He turned into the Freakazoid, strong and super
0: quick He drives the crazy, comes he's home is of Freakazoid, Floyd the got to Freakazoid, chimpanzee, in the That was requested by me, by the way. Yeah, like way back in the day. When we very first started, I was
1: like, oh man, I would love to do Freakazoid. And then we caught, we talked about it. We planned to do it at one point and then it dropped off. That happened several times. I have watched the entire series multiple times now since, we, since we've since started the show. I love this show. And I you love
0: know, Freakazoid, and I remember it fondly, watching, 100%. Watching the show, the entire show, isn't that hard to do, because I think there's only, what, 24 episodes mm-hmm. total oh, yeah. in, in over two seasons. So you watched the show when you were younger. You loved it. Absolutely loved it. I remember as a kid that this
1: show and Animaniacs were a show that I'd watch with my mom because she thought they were funny. <laughs> she enjoyed them. And so we would sit and we would laugh at them. And I thought that the show, cause I have, I always like as a little kid was sort of a, a nerdy kid with an adult sense of humor. And I thought that the show was hilarious. I, I recognized at like, you know, when did this come out? 95. 95 so we were 12. Perfect age. Yeah. I remember at 12 years old thinking, Wow the writing on this is really smart as a 12 year old like that's maybe a weird thing to, to realize but it, it really was and and I watched this show incessantly even after and it went into reruns
0: yeah did you I watched the show definitely when it came out uh, the first time and I watched it while it was in reruns I thought it was funny too but I don't know I honestly can't remember if I got all the jokes. Uh, I oh, don't def- know, I definitely didn't. I got I got a lot of the slapstick comedy and I that's what I laughed at because like I you got said some of them, but I, some I did, of them were obscure, like you would have to know. Yeah, and, you know? and that was the that was the thing about this show is like a lot of the other shows that were you know written by Rugg, Paul Rugg, and were produced by Tom Ruiger, they were really kind of subversively smart shows that had off animaniacs yeah. off
1: tiny Toon adventures exactly yeah.
0: you had shows that had you had shows like this that had humor that was perfectly geared towards 12 i think they're i think they initially had directed this show at like 10 to 12 year olds or like 9 to 12 year olds something like that but the it core, was not the y- core audience they actually found out was 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 boys age 14 and old older And it was essentially
1: like young adults who were into the show because originally it was on Saturday mornings and they, they kept moving the show around and they had problems with the time slot and then they were going to renew it for a third season. And that's sort of when they, when they figured out that they, they had the demographic wrong. They're like, Oh my God, this is a show that adults are loving and watching and kind of the, the way that the Jetsons was.
0: Yeah. Right. And if, if there was an adult swim, or cartoon network back in 19 19- well, oh there was a car- this would have been on it for sure. Yeah. There was a there was a cartoon network I think but, in 1995, but it was more I think at that time they were showing mostly old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. But if there was a show did swim- get picked up for syndication later on Cartoon Network, which is where it built some of its uh cult following. Yeah. So, let's get into the show then. I the Freakazoid, it's an American animated TV series originally developed for the Kids WB block on the WB, and at the time the WB was a sort of a brand new channel and they were trying to develop new shows and and get people to uh, to watch it the episodes were about 22 minutes long some of them were it was it was sort of like at the time sort of the similar shows like animaniacs and tiny toons where sometimes the episode went the whole 22 minutes sometimes the episode only went like 11 minutes or 20 minutes or it would it would have like a like a, a not a standard time for the episode so they developed these other little shows and filler animation to to fill the time to get it to that 22 minute mark some of these were characters that they created that were just uh, they were characters that were just by themselves like they had the huntsman and they had uh, a couple other ones that are shown in the intro i love huntsman i think it's hilarious you know that there was only two episodes of the huntsman yeah, so, I know, but he's so it's such a genius yeah. concept. So you have you have those or sometimes you would just have segments with uh, Freakazoid doing things whether he's talking about something going on, he's playing the piano, he's doing something else to fill time for like 30 seconds or a minute or something. So the whole episode of Freakazoid would be 22 minutes and the show debuted Back in uh, September of 1995, and ran until 1997 with a total of 24 episodes. It got two seasons. I think the first season was 11 episodes, way too short. And then the second season was 13. Yeah, so but it never happened. It it never happened. It was actually one of the first shows to debut for the kids WB morning block of Saturday morning cartoons. It was. Do you want to talk about kids WB? Do you remember that? I do remember. I do remember kids WB, and and. It was, that was the channel. It was actually, I, well, I remember it more as a after school, like weekday channel because they had a, they had a block of shows that was, that were on, I think to, to not counter, that's not the right word, but to compete with uh, the Disney afternoon. Yeah. So you had, you had Disney on one channel, you'd like channel seven or channel nine. I think it was channel nine here in Southern California. You had Disney on one channel and then you had the kids WB on the other channel, which I think was channel, channel five. five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had them on channel five and you had stuff like tiny tunes. Like we were saying, tiny tunes, freakazoid. You had hysteria. I think at one point there was a little later, but yeah. yeah.
1: And before that, too, there was other stuff like Tasmania.
0: Oh yeah. Remember? Tasmania.
1: And the uh, remember, Batman started off on Fox and moved to WB. It did, it did. So it moved to Kids WB, along with... Then it's follow-up, the new Batman, Superman adventures. And then um, Superman animated series and Road Rovers. Oh, Road Pinky Rovers. Pinky and the Brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, some of those shows. And then later they got stuff like... I, I remember, I think they had... I don't know if it was on WB, but I, I don't remember. But I think they had... Earthworm Jim on there at some point. Oh, I remember that show. And they had some other stuff, uh Road Rovers is a one of like the weirdest ones. I think they had like um what was that that Luchador um Oh, Mucha Pignano Lucha. One. Yeah, Mucha Lucha, whatever. That was on yeah. there. There's a bunch of stuff on there. And and then it sort of eventually went away and then WB itself Kind of got turned into the CW.
0: Yeah, and so. then it turned into more of a like a angsty teen drama type channel. Yeah, instead of instead of you know what fun it was. Warner Brothers. Yeah, I miss I miss Jamie Fox his show on there too oh yeah Jamie Foxx did have a show yeah uh, well, comedy s- show too speaking yeah. of Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series both of those shows were animated by Bruce Timm and Bruce Timm was originally intended to be the show or he was originally the, the creator of the show he he designed the first uh, couple of of character designs and he was initially going to he was
1: in the very earliest very, stages very very early yeah. stages and I and, think
0: he's then uh, technically
1: listed as a producer for the show um, in one I think maybe the pilot episode or something but I mean he didn't have a whole lot to do with the show other than being technically the guy who created the character of Freakazoid and his design mm-hmm. and his name mm-hmm. and outside of that it sort of fell under Paul Dini and Tom Ruger and Paul Rugg when when the show kind of you know kind yeah. of deviated and, st- and really to be fair you know th- we have Steven Spielberg to thank for this being a comedy.
0: Yeah, because he, he
1: was the one who said, "You know, this character looks goofy. Let's yeah. make this a comedy." And, and if you look at at, at Tim's original artwork, uh, which you know you and I were looking at before we recorded, it is goofy, and I can't imagine that character being anything but. It's sort of like a comedic character.
0: It's sort of like. Have you are you familiar with the DC character, the Creeper? Mm. So it's sort of he's sort of like the Creeper where you could play it straight but the Creeper is so much better played sort of goofy because he's a goofy to he's a goofy looking character he's a, yeah. and and yeah the given given the backstory of this character and his design you can't take him seriously it would be it would be jarring to have a serious it'd be like it'd be like having a guy dressed up as a clown be like I'm serious, bozo, and I'm here to wipe the smirk off of crime. It's just like something stupid, like you. you I mean, it sense. could be funny if you played it that way. Yeah, it would be. It would be funny, but you couldn't play it. You couldn't play it as like a as like a serious, like action drama. It would I don't be know why, funny. but I was thinking of the clown from Metalocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> the- I can't- I do cocaine. I'm Doctor Roxo.
1: So I do cocaine. I don't know why, but that's all. That's all I could think of is
0: is like that kind of character, but playing it
1: playing it super serious.
0: So yeah, I was thinking more of like a uh, uh, what's his name, the BTK killer dressed up as a clown.
1: Oh yeah, that's a. <laughs> Uh, let's let's keep it nice and
0: soft and light. Yeah, uh, the show was developed by, like you said, Tom Ruiger. who created Tiny Toons and
1: Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, and Hysteria. And we actually talked about him back when we covered Wacko's Wish, the penultimate uh, finishing of Animaniacs. Back, uh, gosh, almost a year and a half ago now. When, oh yeah, when we did, yeah, I was, it was like, Wacko's f- Wish was more than a year and a half. Yeah, way, way, way back, and and. What's interesting about Tom Ruger, I don't think we really talked about him that much then, but he actually started his work on Hanna-Barbera as a way to sort of get his foot in the door. And that's really where a lot of people, sort of the animators and creators in the 90s actually got their start was back in the 70s with Mm Hanna-Barbera. And he worked in the 80s on things like the Snorks and Pound Puppies, 13 Goes to Scooby-Doo and Blackstar. Do you remember Blackstar? I believe so. It's sort of like a post-apocalyptic, uh, sort of He-Man-ish
0: character. Who, yeah, um, I get Black Star and Brave Star mixed up. Oh, sometimes. very different. Yeah. I know they're very they're different, very, very but their different. names are yeah. their names are very similar.
1: And and fun fun side note: we mentioned this before when we covered Wacko's Wish. If you want to go back and listen to that, and you haven't, um, Tom Ruger is. The guy who created the Animaniacs characters and those kids are actually modeled after his own children. So, you know, fun side note here. Good times. And and it's, uh, you know, we can quickly mention Dot and Wacko because Wacko makes an appearance in this I think show y- in y- one or two of the episodes. Yakko does And the voice well. of Dot is also... Oh, Chess uh, McNeil. Tress McNeil, who's yeah. uh, several characters in this show too. So, as you mentioned, created by Bruce, Tim, and, and I mentioned Paul Dini who wrote... You know, for Heman and GI Joe and Star Wars Ewoks and Jem, and he worked on Batman the animated series, Tiny Toons. He co-created Harley Quinn with Bruce Tim. So we it, we mentioned more Bruce Tim as being the one who created Harley Quinn when we did the Batman episodes, mm-hmm. but Paul Dini had a big hand in that, and and I think we kind of gloss, uh, glossed <coughs> over that. Yeah. Fun side note, Paul Dini wrote a bunch of episodes for Lost. He was like a main main writer for Lost later on. Good times. Yeah. I don't want to go into all the writers for this, but I will say that one of the main writers is both a producer for the show and a voice, and we'll kind of get into him later, and that's Paul Rugg. He's actually very
0: important to this show, and we'll get into him in a minute. 100%. So let's talk about the humor of Freakazoid, because that, I, I would think that anybody that watched this show or has any kind of knowledge of this show probably remembers the humor more than anything else, because this show was a comedy. It was sort of a screwball comedy and and a and a, and a really just nonsensical comedy. It, it had a lot of, it had a lot of like, a lot fantastic- of fourth wall breaking oh, yeah. and obscure stock footage. And also what I found to be
1: some rather obscure like TV and film references that would really only be understood by TV and film nerds like ourselves mm-hmm. or people who worked in the industry. I mean like legit jokes that you would have no understand. Like I didn't get when I was a kid, some of them like, like
0: the rating system thing that we oh, talked yeah. about? I there, mean, in one of the episodes that we watched, there was the uh, the actual character of Jack Valenti, who was a long-running president of the Motion Picture and Artists Association. MPAA, I forget what it stands for. But he was a long, long-running long president of that organization. He's he was, the reason why they had the, the rating system. Yeah, he created the rating system. or Yeah, actually, I think he created the rating system for movies. Up until that I mean, up until his his tenure as president, there wasn't really a rating system for movies and then he installed it because he's he's been around forever and I think he actually died I think in the early two thousands he was Yeah, but they they, like they poke a lot of fun at him and they, they And they actually got Jack Valenti to do the voice. Yeah,
1: which is amazing. Hello. I'm Jack Valenti, and these are my cheeks. Which yeah. means he was willing to poke fun at himself because the whole thing with the with the
0: grandpa, grandpa's not bothered by NC seventeen and yeah. all that. Oh my god, it's... grandpa's been to war and uh, he yeah he doesn't mind a, a very gory movie. And Sergeant Scruffles is a stupid dog, so he doesn't care. <laughs> like, like, but there's also a lot of a lot of uh, pop culture references too, modern pop culture
1: at the time. Yeah, like, so you have lots of Barbra Streisand and Clinton references. I think those are kind of easy fodder for them. But in one of the episodes, um, the Dexter's date episode that we watched, did you notice like all the weird characters that Freakazoid kept turning into? Uh, Judge Alito. Oh yeah. Uh, Louis Armstrong, Oprah Winfrey. Um, I think at one point Humphrey Bogart. But like throughout the show, they'll have these these like weird ass references to things. There's one that uh, I think it was in one of the other episodes that we watched where they threatened to, uh, Gutierrez uh, threatened to harm Freakazoid's family by showing him the best of Marty Ingalls. <laughs> yeah, I had to look up who that was because I had no idea. Yeah, he's a, like a comedian. We From I, like the 60s. I mentioned him actually like a long time ago because uh, Marty Ingalls had done some voice work and in something that we covered. Uh, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. But like, that is some really legit like obscure referencing you yeah know? like pop culture stuff like they would reference gargoyles and all kinds of stuff that they couldn't technically have it be Goliath because that was ABC and this is WB yeah but they would have a character that sort of look like him sort of sound like him and then make fun of him yeah you know I mean yeah. God and also sort of the you know what it's the humor is reminiscent of that sort of irreverent humor that you found on later.
0: Adult Swim stuff. That's mm-hmm. that's why I think you're right. This would have been, been a perfect fit for Adult and, Swim. And here's, here's the thing that... And I wanted to get into this later, but it makes sense talking about it in terms of the humor. What this character reminds me of the most is he's essentially Deadpool. He's a less, less, yes, less I, violent Deadpool. Yeah. He... And maybe a little bit less grotesque or, uh, crude, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's crazy. Like that's a, that's a plot point that Freakazoid is legitimately insane. Yeah. He's crazy. Just like Deadpool is crazy. He, for, he makes fourth wall breaks all the time. He talks about pop culture things that he shouldn't He's rather about. chaotic. He's chaotic. He, his power sort of changed depending on the scenario. Sometimes and, he'll have a power that never gets mentioned again. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes he has super speed, and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he yeah. There's an
1: episode where he travels around the world in the matter of a flash to tell a Tibetan monk to stop raking sand because it's too loud. Yeah, which I thought was a kind of a funny gag. And then in another episode, he literally has to run someplace. Yeah. So it's, his powers are all over the place, but they have fun with it. Yeah. In a really sort of weird, irreverent way. You know what the the sense of humor reminds me a little bit, a little bit of is Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit in, in, in the sort of like, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want kind of comedy. Yeah. You know? Like the early Aqua Teen, not not later stuff. The when it was good, yeah. like season five and earlier.
0: Well, let's talk about the producers real quick. So this uh, this uh, show was produced by Amblin Entertainment and Warner Brothers Animation. Amblin is Steven Spielberg's yeah. Uh, company. Yeah, and it was executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg actually makes a couple of. Appearances in the show—they actually animate him into the yeah. show. It's not his
1: voice. No, but it's they not. do animate him. And it's he very, loved this show, by yeah. the
0: way, and it's very clearly Steven Spielberg. It's not like some tongue tongue in cheek. Like this might be no. It's no. Steven they say Spielberg. this is Steven Spielberg. Oh, and Steven! They- like there's one episode that we didn't watch where uh where Freakazoid Brain from Pinky and the Brain, I think yakko or maybe it's Wacko, one of the two Warner Brothers. It's Wacko. It's Wacko. They have an argument over whose show is, is Steven better. Spielberg's favorite. And they're right. all arguing over, over who's the favorite show. And I think at the end, Steven Spielberg looks at all three of them and he goes, Who the hell are you people? I think technically his
1: favorite show is Pinky in the Brain, from what from what I remember. But well, that makes sense. That's neither here nor there.
0: So other producers are Mitch Sauer, Paul Rugg, Tom Rueger, we already talked about him, Rich Ahrens, and uh, John McCann, who... I just wanted to mention him
1: because... He was on the the core writing team for Animaniacs, Freakazoid, Pinky and the Brain, and Pinky Elmira and the Brain. And fun side note, uh, he helped create the character of Elmira from Tiny Toon Adventures. Hmm. And when he, uh, one of the things that he submitted was a separate side project where Elmira was the star. And they I ended didn't... up getting that with Pinky Elmira and the Brain. I
0: never liked Elmira that much. I didn't, I don't...
1: except she's really funny in Pinky Elmira and the Brain.
0: I just uh, I don't I don't because it.
1: essentially it just becomes child abuse
0: they just like wail on her and do all kinds of slapstick violence on Elmira good yeah uh the theme music, sort of cathartic really <laughs> yeah the theme music for uh, Freakazoid which you heard in the intro was written by Richard Stone Steve Bernstein Julie Bernstein Gordon Goodwin and Tim Kelly and uh the the theme music I think is is interesting to note that a lot of the shows that were produced by Tom Ruger I believe he he had to have used the same the same team because a lot of the shows had very very similar theme songs. If you compare the theme songs of Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, Road Rovers, Hysteria, Pinky and the Brain, they they all sort of feel the same.
1: Well, and Bernstein and Richard Stone worked on all those together, and so did uh, Julie Bernstein. And f- fun little side note with uh with richard stone is that he is sort of credited along with the other two as as but i think more him as being the person that helped revive warner brothers animation in the 90s due to the way that his musical composition reminds me more of classic looney tunes Like 1940s classic Looney Tunes. Like orchestral stuff and strings and, you know, horn section and, you know, some of this kind of stuff that you just weren't hearing anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you were hearing, you know, during the the 60s and 70s with the Hanna-Barbera stuff, it was a lot of like, wah, 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 and then laugh track. And the music was very simple. You might hear occasional xylophone to show characters running and that kind of thing, but... This brought back like full orchestral type like just background music. Really? Yeah. And and it really sort of makes me appreciate it cuz it's it's sort of its own style. It's very much a Warner Brothers thing. And you don't really see you don't really see anybody else doing it. And and I don't know if that's good or bad. I feel like in some ways it's good because I like that Warner Brothers is sort of like distinctly Warner Brothers. It's sort of a distinctly Warner Brothers-ish sound. He's considered to be sort of the Carl Stalling's uh, heir to mm-hmm. to the Warner Brothers music throne. And and it, it's worth just sort of mentioning because I think the music in these shows uh, this one and and as well as the other ones that we mentioned is actually very good. It's yeah. well produced and it and it tends to fit and it doesn't ever
0: feel hamfisted or or odd. Yeah, you know, you can tell the quality.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Let's jump into the cast because we've been wanting to talk about this guy for a while. So the main character is Freakazoid and Freakazoid is voiced by Paul Rugg. Now, Paul Rugg, it's an interesting story about how he wound up as the voice of Freakazoid. So they
1: tried casting this character for months.
0: Yeah. And and I I actually I actually recall reading that. A lot of the characters were, or a lot of the actors were coming in and essentially doing a really like manic Robin Williams impersonation, and the the directors and the the producers were Nobody just like, tended no, to like no, no, this it's, is this weird, is t- it's. it doesn't fit. So. At, at a certain point, after they had gone through a bunch of people and they hadn't found the right voice, the producers had Paul Rugg, who at the time was a writer for the show. And had- well, actually,
1: he was getting frustrated. Yeah. And so he decided to go in and demonstrate for them how he thought the character should fit. Yeah. Because he was the writer and a producer. So he's like, this is how the character should sound. I'm going to record it. And then you can show this to them and be like, I want it like this. Yeah. And when he did... They played it for Spielberg, and it's like, yep, fine, sure, great. And then he said he panicked, and he had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> because then they cast him as the voice of Freakazoid. Yeah. So the producer and the writer for the show ended up voicing the character for all 24 episodes.
0: It's sort of reminiscent of uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, when uh, Danny Elfman uh, was essentially, he did the same thing. He he came in to sort of sing the songs for Jack, uh, to show the people who were supposed to sing the songs, this is how I want it to sound. And then they were like, well, "Why don't Why don't you just sing it? You sound pretty good." So he ended up singing all the songs as Jack. So Paul Rudd also played a couple other characters uh, in Dave the Barbarian. He was Dark Lord Chuckles, the silly piggy. Uh, he is uh, the director, if you in uh, episodes of Animaniacs, and, and the director is supposed to be uh, Jerry Lewis. That Mr. Director. So if you ever see that character, no, that's... he actually directed episodes
1: of Animaniacs.
0: But he's also he also plays Mr. Director in Animaniacs. That's true. Yes. So
1: he's and that, both... char- that character was in Wacko's Wish too. The he director. was. Mm-hmm.
0: He also wrote for Animaniacs and Freakazoid, and he voiced a couple other characters on uh, Animaniacs and Hysteria. And there's a bunch of other things that he's that he's voice acted on more recently. Yeah. In that same in that same like Warner Brothers vein. Then you have the rest of the Douglas clan. Well, here's the thing. So let's talk about Freakazoid really quick. Freakazoid is the alter ego of Dexter Douglas, who is the, from the from the theme music, he is the teen computer ace. And they, uh, they gradually start downplaying, I think, the Douglas family <laughs> as the show progresses because they realize that the Douglas family is not something they want to, that not a lot of yucks come from the Douglas family.
1: Well, the, the yucks that come from the Douglas family are are usually when there's a juxtaposition between the sort of pseudo but actually not normalness of the Dexter family Mm -hmm. and the sort of zaniness of Freakazoid in that the parents are sort of portrayed as a 1950s-esque, sort of like hyper-normalized set of parents who are actually not normal at all. No, But they think they are and they're portrayed to be normal in that everything they do is considered to be normal. But what's interesting is that Freakazoid's absolute zaniness is considered to be normal by them. And Dexter's sort of semi-normal behavior is considered to be sort of weird Abnormal, and crazy. Yeah. That's why the juxtaposition is funny. But they don't... I don't... I think you're right. I think they realize that there are more jokes to be had outside of their clan. And they sort of transitioned into other stuff. And he's he's Freaking, got sort of two...
0: He's Dexter the human and then Freakazoid the character. Yeah, and they actually they actually sort of allude to that at one point in one of the episodes that we watched. I think it was I think it was the one where he travels back in time. He pulls out a recorder and he goes note to self, write Dexter out of the opening. Like, like, that episode had no Dexter. A lot of the episodes have no Dexter. It's just Freakazoid. Most of them have no Dexter. Yeah, so Dexter Douglas is Freakazoid's alter ego. He is played by David Kaufman, who was Jimmy Olsen in the 90s Superman, the animated series show. He was also Danny in Danny Phantom. And he was the voice of Marty on uh, the Back to the Future animated series we covered in the
1: way back machine,
0: yeah, and and Dexter, the way that the god chari- that show was bad, it man. was bad. The way that Dexter uh, stumbles onto his powers, I actually looked this up. So the the story of yeah, I looked it up too. The story and that's of the, the show, thing that I didn't understand either. I didn't either, and I don't feel like a lot of people that watched the show would have understood really because it was pretty. It was. It was a pretty little little known. I mean, it was published. Anyway, let me get into it. So Dexter gets for Christmas a computer chip that he puts into his computer, and it's this supposedly you know awesome new chip that's going to like double or triple the speed of his computer. But there's it's a three hundred megahertz. So think about how how much of a
1: joke that is. Also
0: think about that this the was equi- nineteen ninety
1: five. The equivalent of that would have been a Pentium two. Yeah. So it not it wasn't something that was like world-changingly amazing but at the time it might have been
0: yeah so he installs this chip he gets it for christmas and he installs this chip in his computer and you find out later in some other exposition that happens on another part of the episode that there's a flaw in the chip that if you enter a, a certain exact key sequence and then hit delete it'll suck you into the internet give you all the power and information of the internet and also give you uh, powers far beyond like mortal men.
1: I wouldn't have such happy slacks if I were you.
0: Because if someone did manage to
1: activate the flaw, a pox on him, the pinnacle chip would overload, causing a concentrated beam of energy to zap the user. It would fill his or her brain with all the information on the internet. It would give them superhuman strength, enabling them to do just about anything. But they'd be very silly, extremely perturbed. They'd be a Freakazoid.
0: So, of course, Dexter's cat chases a butterfly, smashes the exact key key sequence that he needs, and then Dexter looks at it and goes, what the hell is this? And he hits delete and he gets sucked into the internet, and he turns into Freakazoid. And I actually liked... This this is sort of the show is sort of a time capsule to back in the day like back in the you know early to mid 90s he pulls out a code book to go on the internet because that's what you used to have to do you used mm-hmm. to have a, have a code book in that, the early 90s to yeah. have to have websites cuz there weren't there weren't places like google and there weren't search engines right. the way that we know them now. They, they had more like like string together sites that were in like webs, web strings and web circles that would get you to the same kind of site. But you had to kind of know where you were going. Well, and the thing that, that we sort of missed here is that key sequence. Mm-hmm. That's,
1: that actually happened with the original Pentium 1. The yeah. original Pentium chip had this thing where like if you input some weird key sequence, it would crash and delete everything on your computer. And so this was a reference to that. And also, fun side note, the the computer company that makes the chip is called the Pinnacle.
0: The Pinnacle chip which, instead of the Pentium. And so the,
1: the Pentium. So it's like, it's a definite homage to it. and sort of poking fun at, at that, at what happened. Yeah. But now, you know, we're talking, what, 23 years, 22 years later? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way that anybody today would understand, like, the sort of, meta of that
0: yeah but but if you know it it's actually really clever yeah it'd be like if in 20 or 25 30 years someone someone is trying to understand like why everyone was so scared about y2k you know it's like why was like i don't understand what the big deal was like why were you guys- well, even now people are like i yeah. don't know yeah <laughs> yeah no it makes sense uh the next character is duncan douglas who is dexter's older brother i think it's his older brother i'm assuming and duncan is a jock and he torments Dexter. And then Freakazoid actually likes tormenting Duncan back and torturing him, wrestling with him, doing whatever. He's played by uh, Googie Gress. <laughs> I just love the name Googie. I know. <laughs> it reminds me of Gurgi from, uh, from uh, Black Cauldron. Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> it was... I mean, his name is Googie. Googie. Yeah. The,
1: the guy is, is, uh, is an actor. He's done stuff on, like, NCIS and CSI and stuff like that. And if... And if you go kind of more into the Wayback Machine, he was in episodes of, like, Star Trek and uh, Party of Five. This show, I think, was, like, one of his more longer-standing, I guess, projects. hmm But, you know... it, it he hasn't really done anything that I feel like anybody here would recognize. No. A lot of like B movies and stuff like that. Yeah. So
0: The next character is totally recognizable. next character is Debbie Douglas, who is Dexter's mom, and she is voiced by Tress McNeil, who has done a ton of stuff. Uh, she's Agnes Skinner and dozens of other characters on The Simpsons. She's Mom on Futurama.
1: I think that's, that one's your favorite. That uh, yeah. yeah,
0: She's uh, Dot on uh, the, the Animaniacs. She's Hello Nurse from Animaniacs. Babs Bunny from Tiny Toons. Uh, Colleen from Road Rovers. Chip from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And I think
1: she's the current voice of Daisy Duck, actually since 99. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Good times.
1: So... The- John P. McCann is the dad, and we mentioned him earlier because mm-hmm.
0: he also does voice work. And the dad is um, Douglas Douglas. Yeah, Douglas Douglas. Du- you know he. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of, and now I cannot remember the name of the, the the character. But he remember he reminds me of the dad on Stranger Things, who the one who has the glasses and is always just like reading the paper and just can't be bothered. It's um, it's the girl's dad. Why can't I remember their name? Ted Wheeler, Ted Wheeler is the character I'm thinking of. He's the, uh, the dad of Nancy and Mike. And <laughs> I don't know, just the way that he looks and the way that he acts sort of reminds me of Dexter's dad. He's just he like, he's just like, what the hell's going on? And he's just sort of tangentially aware of whatever's going on in the, in the scenario. The other character is Mr. Chubbykins, who is the cat that types in the number. And he's voiced by Frank Welker because it's an animal. Because of course he is. It's Frank Walker's and everything. Yeah, there is another character, uh, Mike Cosgrove, who is the cop. He's voiced by Ed Asner. Ed Asner's been in a bunch of things. Um, he is Lou Grant, famously from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. He's won seven Emmy awards, and uh, and yes, he is still alive. He is at the time of this recording. He was in a. Uh, he's done a bunch of other voice work and i i was reading that his voice work if you're if you're not familiar with cosgrove he's he's the cop like best friend of freakazoid he's an older guy he looks to be in his like 40s or 50s and he delivers every line that he has deadpan just completely no emotion you see how they use some kind of grape preserve to make half dome what about the waterfall that's a rare kind of albino jelly wow just a completely straight read. Now I remember But all but most of his lines are just
1: nuts. Oh yeah, it's crazy. And that's what makes it funny. And so he's really funny in this show because his delivery is perfect.
0: Well, I actually read that that he was told, Ed Asner was told to not act when he delivered the lines, to just say them. Don't that, even You know, that that sort of makes sense. I can imagine why. Yeah. You know what? I I actually just thought that they, they what they did is they took the traditional straight man role in like a like a buddy comedy and they sort of turned it on his head because instead of he delivers all of his lines like a straight man. And obviously Freakazoid is like the punchline guy. But instead of him delivering these like straight lines so that the punchline guy could be could, you know, make jokes off of them. He delivers wacky lines just in a completely deadpan way. And it's like a different kind of straight man that sort of is a weird juxtaposition to to Freakazoid just because, you know, he's just as zany and just as well, not just as zany. He just says weird things. And it's just it's funny coming out of like a character like that. The next character is Roddy McStew. I totally didn't realize who the voice actor was. And then until when you point it out, up, you cannot I was like, it. oh, yeah. So It's
1: Craig Ferguson, famous comedian and late night host of The Late Late Show on CBS. The name's Roddy. Roddy McStew. I'm here
0: to help you. You've been given amazing powers, lad. Uh, I always remember him as the boss of Drew Carey. I do too. I always remember him as Mr. Wick. Like it, you can't, you can't not. It, it's... Well, we grew up in that time when the Drew Carey show was a big thing, and did you
1: you probably watch that show with your family? like Oh I man! Did and it was I, like,
0: oh man, I had the biggest crush on Krista Miller. Uh, oh, she, <laughs> yeah. She All right, was, she was super hot. And they sure she, it wasn't Mimi. No, it was not Mimi. No. And then when she then when she went on to to uh, be in Scrubs, I was like. You got older and you got hotter, so for real, yeah. yeah. Fun side note: When he was on the Drew Carey show,
1: he intentionally did a terrible British accent as revenge for all the British people doing terrible Scottish accents. He yeah. did that on purpose. He's
0: actually Scottish. Yeah, he is Scottish. That's why he. That's why he did that because so, he was not. He was. He was mad. Yeah, Ronnie McStew as a character is is. It, he serves kind of as Freakazoid's mentor he's the one that discovers the flaw in the pinnacle chip i like
1: in one of the episodes when he's talking i think it was in the wrath of gutierrez where roddy shows up and freakazoi goes man you have a lot of lines in this episode it goes i know he's like i looked at the strip at the script there's so much exposition and they gave it all to me Boy, you got a lot of lines in this show.
0: Aye, that's what I told them.
1: But no, all the cruddy exposition goes to me. I've got to talk and talk and fiddle with the computer and talk some more and fiddle and talk. I feel like Obi-Wan, cruddy (laughs) Kenobi.
0: It's just like, holy shit. Like that, It's like (laughs) those kinds of things. What I thought was funny is, is, so everybody who gets sucked into the internet, because that's what ends up happening to Roddy. He gets sucked into the internet in uh, one of the episodes, and then he... He doesn't change like Freakazoid does. He doesn't get like the blue skin and the superpowers, but he does get the lightning bolt in his hair like Freakazoid yes. has. Yes, It's very subtle. And the, the thing that bothered me the most about his character design is his kilt is way too short. His kilt is like a skirt. It comes to like the middle of his thigh and it bothered me every time I saw it. Kilts go to your knees. I'm not even Scottish and I know that. It's just, it's annoying. So he's he's a walking Scottish trope. And he pops up every now and again to help Freakazoid out, give him tips and hints at becoming Freakazoid. He's the one that tells him that to turn into Freakazoid, he just says freak out. And to turn back into Dexter, he says freak in, which is dumb. Um, You have a, a couple other characters that are worth mentioning. Steph, his girlfriend, is voiced by Tracy Rowe uh Ingmar who is not a character that we saw in any of the no, episodes but he doesn't
1: he's not portrayed by anybody he's a he's Freakazoid's mute butler but the character that we do see yes. is his replacement Professor Jones holy shit this is some meta and it's smart because he's this sort of cowardly manservant that uh is creating okay so it's voiced by Jonathan Harris who is the original Dr. Smith from Lost in Space yep Have you tried sprinkling her with fairy dust? What would that do? I'm not sure. How come you never say anything helpful? How come you have the IQ of a biscuit? And every time his character appears in a scene, someone asks him if he was on TV with a robot. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and he's terrified of everything, and they they make him essentially play the character that he played like thirty years before. Yeah, he, I did not know this as a kid at all. I, you know, now what? that I, I know, did. I go, "Oh my god, that is genius!" I, it's I wanna, so
0: smart. I want to say I had to have known that because. At the time, I absolutely watched old episodes of, Lost in, of Space. Lost in Space and like the 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 Land of the Giants and Land the of Land the Lost, of Lost. And all yeah. that stuff. They had it on they had it on uh, TV Land or Nick at Night or whatever it was. I remember watching episodes. Probably Nick at Night because I do like Mister Ed and yeah. Like, I remember watching Green those Acres shows and... on on that whatever channel it was, I want to say it was Nick Nick at Night, but I don't know. I remember watching those shows and so I was like, it's like the guy from Lost in Space. It totally... Because he plays the exact same character. He, He delivers the lines the exact same way he did as Dr. Smith. Yes. And he's actually... a. I, in my opinion, he's a pretty funny character. I like
1: his character a lot. I think he's really funny. The next character is the Loeb, voiced by David Warner.
0: Now, with just a flick of the switch,
1: my video sapper will steal every movie, every program, every broadcast ever produced. Not only will I be able to flood the market with counterfeit cassettes, thus crippling the entertainment industry, but I'll never have to program my VCR again. Ha ha ha! And we actually mentioned him in our coverage of Batman the Animated Series because he's the voice of Ra's al Ghul. But he's also Archmage from Gargoyles, and he's done stuff from Star Trek 5 and 6, Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. But I put this in here because it's one of my favorite roles that he's ever had. And it's season 6 of Star Trek from the, uh, from, it's from...
0: Next Generation.
1: Yes, from Next Generation, from the Chain of Command sort of two episode story arc where he's... Uh, Cardassian interrogator Madrid and there's a scene where he so his character interrogates Picard and Picard He shows Picard uh, four lights and then then he tells Picard that there's not four lights that there's actually five lights Uh, And and the, the it's this whole back and forth. I've just received word There's been a battle the enterprise is burning in space the invasion of Minos Korva has been successful. You don't believe it. There's no need for any further information from you. Our troops were successful in spite of your refusal to help me. You might have saved yourself a great deal of torment by yielding at the beginning. I want I love this scene and and I don't care that this really has no relevance to what we're talking about. And I know it's a tangent and I don't care. But I, I actually really like David Warner. So... That's, that's my, my little, my little thing for the day.
0: Yeah. And the, the lobe is a, the lobe is a character is like an evil genius whose head is just a giant brain. Like his whole head is a brain. So mm. to, to, he's one of, he's one of Freakazoid's, uh, arch enemies, and I love the episode that we picked to
1: watch with him in it, yeah. Because essentially, he's just mad that freakas Wade—they're having a lovers' plan stat. too early, and they have a lovers' quarrel yeah. because he wants—he he wants, wants to be
0: chased. He wants to have the thrill and whatever. <laughs>
1: Can't you just chase me
0: like I deserve? It's <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. Freakazoid actually has a pretty robust rogues gallery in terms of in terms of his enemies. Uh, the next enemy is Cave Guy, who's voiced by Jeff Bennett, and Jeff Bennett in voicing Cave Guy, he sort of impersonates Jim Bacchus, who is uh, who played Thurston the III on. Uh, Gilligan's Island, and you you can totally hear. it He gives it sort of like a this oh you know it's sort of that upper crust. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know. There there are other characters too, like
1: Cobra Queen, voiced by Trust McNeil, and Longhorn by by uh, Maurice Lamarche. He's actually a really funny character, but not in any of the episodes that we watched. Candle Jack, which. Uh, we're not going to cover today. Waylon Jeepers. We are going to mention because he is in the first episode of the series and also the episode, one of the episodes that we picked and he is super creepy. He's voiced by Jeff Bennett. And in the very first episode, we didn't watch it, but I know it because I've seen that episode so many times. He, he's his character is like maybe like five, two with a large brimmed, like brown, Hat yeah and a Like a mumu mm-hmm. and he Shows up and he keeps asking People if they want to see something and Basically Basically what he wants to show them is that He has a, a, a Pocket watch that can turn beavers into Gold and that is his Superpower and then Freakazoid Tells him no and to go home and that nobody Wants to see that it's like this whole Lead up they keep like cutting to it and showing To it cutting to it and showing it And then then you get to the end and the it's like a like a flash of the pen. It's like, No, we don't want to see that. Go home. And it's like, oh, and he's dejected. And then we watch an episode where he's the focus and he's mad that Freakazoid basically made him look like a fool because of his beaver into gold stopwatch. <laughs> yeah. And then God, it's so
0: smart. Freakazoid though. actually confronts him because he creates a Medusa watch that turns things to stone, so he turns a but pigeon. But at first he thinks it's just turning pigeons he, into stone. Yeah, he stone. turns pigeons and he he has this great line. He goes Give me that thing, you nut! Mine, mine, give mine! Will you stop it?
1: First it was gold beavers, now it's stone pigeons! Why don't you get a regular job? Return my watch, and I'll give you a jar of nickels. Sure. Wait, no, forget it. I'm keeping this until you show me you're responsible enough to have a strange and mystical watch. Bye! It's, I mean, like, the writing on this is, like, ridiculous. There is another character in that episode that uh, is actually voiced by by Richard Mull, who's Bull from Night Court and Two-Face from Batman, and Norman from Mighty Max, who uh, I- I'm excited for us to cover at some point because I'm pretty sure it's not good, but I don't care. Yeah. Um, we actually last mentioned him as the Dementor from Jingle All the Way, but Vorn the Unspeakable is 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 that character he's this demon that he's
0: like a cthulhu guy cthulhu-ish
1: character that wayla G summons yeah yeah yeah. there's a bunch of others in the rogues gallery arms akimbo which i think the name in and of itself is so funny um there's a character named deadpan who's voiced by bb newworth and we see her in one of these episodes like just really quickly and and then she's gone but she can like shape shift into into other characters but but yeah, no, her character is ridiculous. There's a bunch of them. But the last one that I want to mention that I think we really have to mention mm-hmm. is Armando Gutierrez, voiced by Ricardo Montaban. Khan! Khan! Yes, he is Khan from Star Trek, the original series, and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. But he's also known as Mr. Rourke from Fantasy Island, which mm-hmm. I don't remember. I didn't remember what that was. Essentially, it's like a monkey's paw. Episode. It's like a monkey's paw TV show.
0: Yeah, that people people, uh, people like make a wish, and it's like with a prize. Yeah, exactly. No, that was the whole point of that show. The thing that's great about Gutierrez as a character is the writers are. F- like fully acknowledge within the show that Gutierrez is voiced by Ricardo Montalban. So, in dialogue that he delivers, he sometimes devolves into lines from Star Trek. At least let the lad go. No, I cannot. Why? Because he tasks me. He
1: tasks me. Round the moons of Snibia I chuckle at thee. Beyond the corpian clouds, I chuckle more at thee. Revenge is a dish best served with pinto beans and muffins. Kirk, old oh friend, I.
0: Oh, sorry. Goodbye. Where yeah. he he does the he does the line from the end of uh, uh, Wrath of Khan, where he says, "You know, from hell's heart I stab at thee with hate's last, or with." For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at the... But they change that and have him say something else in the same vein. But it's similar enough, but yeah. And and at one point, he actually mentions Kirk and then catches himself. This is the character of Gutierrez. Mentions Kirk, catches himself, and then goes, "Uh, never mind, like, ignore that. Yes, it's so smart. (laughs) And, like, the other
1: thing, too, is his character... He's played off as a super like sort of suave Bondish type bad guy with an eye patch.
0: But he's, he's terrible. He's nothing but. (laughs) But he's nothing. Yeah,
1: he's terrible. And, and, and the thing that I always thought was funny was that his character is itself sort of like silly and slapstick. He hates being called weenie face. Yeah. He's being called a weenie and he always tells people to laugh with him. Laugh with me, ha ha, ha 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 And then at one point he's like falling, de- like falling down into a hole, and he goes, "Yell with me!" Ah! Yeah, it's got. I mean, seriously, it's like that kind of stuff. It's so smart. One of the episodes, the Wrath of Gutierrez, he's in prison after after uh, getting captured by Freakazoid, and he's trying. They got him a computer with this computer chip because he, what he's trying to do is recreate. The pinnacle chip uh, fiasco because he wants to be a freakazoid uh, type character, and so he gets the prison to get him a computer, and then uh, he's his sort of ruse is that he's using it to play video games, and the ca- the games that he plays are, and to hear him say them, that's what made me laugh. Chubby Fudge's Cooking Lab and Attack of the Grillery and my favorite, Amazing Castle. <laughs> it's like. Who came up with that? Like, who in the writer's room was like, yeah, Attack of the grillery Like, know what's that's going to be the game that he plays. You know what's
0: funny is those games probably exist. Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> I would not be surprised... Now that we've got all the characters out of the way, I actually wanted to talk a little bit before we we get into our feelings about the show. I wanted to talk a little bit about how the character was created, because there's some there's some controversy, some controversy about bit, yeah. about the character. So the character of Freakazoid is based largely on the on another uh, comic book character named named uh, Madman. That character was created by Mike Allred, and he was an established character who was in a number of comics. And Bruce Timm has come out and said that he used that comic as sort of a reference point. He used that character as sort of a reference point. Well, and Madman create...
1: is his most famous character, too. Yeah. Uh, is
0: Mike Allred's most famous character. So
1: that's and they're, why. And they're
0: super similar blue skin, lightning bolt, uh, lightning bolt motif a suit with an exclamation point on it because freakazoid suit has the f I mean, and the exclamation point he's sort of similar the, the design of the character is very similar the, yeah the, he's the got actual a big lightning char- bolt but yeah they're they're different enough
1: that you could say inspired by but not a copy of
0: yeah and and uh i think mike allred he never sued or anything but his his big thing was he wanted to just have it acknowledged that the characters were drawn from the character of a freakazoid was drawn from his character. And he, he actually, he, I think he sent a, uh, he sent a copy of the, the comic to Steven Spielberg, just to like, let him know that his character was, was used as the basis for this, this character of freakazoid and nothing came of it. He said, I simply wrote a friendly letter to show producer Steven Spielberg, telling him his production was a direct lift of my creation. I had no intention of creating ripples, I just wanted him to know that I knew. No one replied, which is fine, and to be honest, Mad Men is is an amalgam of a half dozen of other influences, so who am I to complain? The exclamation mark on his chest still kind of irks me a little, though. A little too close for comfort. So, and he says that in the beginning he was flattered, and in fact he was happy to
1: inspire anything. But then when the show came out and he got no acknowledgement or credit or compensation, uh, he just got kind of annoyed because people would come up to him and say, "Hey, there's this cartoon that's ripping off Madman, and you you should sue." And uh, so yes, I would say that that is a little bit of controversy, if you will. I will say sometimes, as I've mentioned before, that trivia. It's not always correct. So when you pull up trivia, if you go to say IMDb and you look up the trivia, one, in the initial theme song, they talk about Floyd the Barber cuts his hair. That That's, that's Floyd the Barber cuts his hair is a line in the Freakazoid intro. Okay. And on IMDb, they're claiming that that is a reference to a Nirvana song called Floyd the Barber. Mm-hmm which is the second track on the debut album, Bleach. But, well, first of all, that song is like one of their worst songs ever. But that is not even remotely the case because both of which are actually inspired by Floyd Lawson, the barber, Floyd the barber, from the Andy Griffith Show, who was a sort of main character. He started off as like a bit character and then became a major character in the show. I thought personally that it was sort of, I think my very dark sense of humor thought it was funny that they said, let Floyd Barber cut his hair because the character, the, the actor that played Floyd the Barber had a massive stroke during in 1964 and then lost the use of his, uh, the mobility of his appendages and so they never showed him cutting hair anymore. And so I thought it was like a really dark joke in reference to
0: that. So it's, it's 100% by the way, it's 100% not the Nirvana song. I know. Because, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because if you look at the two characters, if you look at the character, the actor, Howard McNear, who played Floyd the Barber... That's and the then, character that they show then you look at,
1: in the credits. Then
0: you look at Floyd the Barber from Freakazoid. It's the same guy.
1: Yes, It's exactly. the same guy. So That's why I was like, one, it doesn't even look like it. Two, they're both drawn from the same inspiration. And three, I thought that maybe that dark part of me uh, (laughs) thought that the the guy who had a stroke and can't use his arms cutting Freakazoid's hair, I thought was only fitting because they would put some sort of like weird meta shit in there.
0: I think it makes more sense that he's referring to something from the 60s since they pulled so much shit from the 60s. That's probably true. But my my dark sense of humor is hoping that it's also part of the line. Time time to go in on my IMDB account and edit some trivia because that's, that's un, Yes. Although yes, it is fun to intentionally put things in there that are wrong. Yeah. So, uh, we watched a couple of episodes, and I know you watched more. I Okay, so... I watched a little bit more. I ran wa- out of time, though. We watched the five episodes that I pulled. We pulled the the
1: highest-rated episodes and the lowest. So the highest-rated episodes are The Chip Part 1 and Chip Part 2 slash Freakazoidus History, which was an 8.5 and an 8.3, The Wrath of Gutierrez, which is an 8.7, Dexter's Date, which is an 8.4, and Statuesque, which is a 7... F- Point five. that the, was the lowest it's the lowest,
0: 7.5 the lowest the, rated episode yeah
1: the <laughs> lowest rated episode is rated higher than the highest rated episode on street sharks so that should tell hey. you something
0: and the lowest rated episode made it's me laugh funny. a lot yeah it's not like you we we say that it's the lowest rated but that doesn't mean that it's bad that means
1: nothing yeah three
0: of these episodes had Gutierrez in it actually and the I first that's that intentional i think that was a lot to do with why they're rated so high yeah because it's the the chip part funny the Chip Part so 1 funny. and 2 is an origin story for Freakazoid. And that's also the one that has Jack Valenti in it. And then The Wrath of Gutierrez is like a literal follow-up to the first two episodes. So they, those three episodes all kind of go together. And I love Freakazoid as history because for whatever reason... I that was so smart. My sister was over
1: yesterday to, to hang out with us. And uh, she walks in the door and she sees Eleanor and I are watching Freakazoid. She goes, Freakazoid, nice. And then she goes... Uh, <laughs> she like makes a Gutierrez reference like right there because my sister is like me she yeah. like, loves the show so and so she made a reference and we sort of laughed and then we watched that part of, she happened to walk in during the freakazoid's history part and she was just like
0: this was done in 95 I was like yeah this is done in 95 she's like holy shit that's smart yeah the, the, the thing that I always remember I actually remember a line from this episode more than anything else from the show seriously? And it's, yeah and it's the hula girls where he's like he, he goes back in time and oh, he goes yeah he goes uh he's like palm trees hula girls pineapples hula girls surfboards hula girls hula girls hula girls of course it all adds up i've somehow landed in norway
1: and, like, and then he's like okay a time to go He's like wait let me check the beaches for hula girls yeah or he's so like can i like, do it one
0: more time hello girls? Like, I don't know why, but out of all the things in Freakazoid, that's what I remember the most.
1: That episode, so that part of that episode is is actually really funny. What What happens is he? It's sort of like a like a side bit section. He goes to save the president, which is Bill Clinton at the time, and he gets sucked into this vortex. Sends that him back in time. Sends him back in time, and he averts Pearl Harbor. And in in doing so, he then gets. Uh, sucked back into the future and the future has been changed and in the future Sharon Stone can act. She can really act. She's really good. Yeah. And then uh, Rush Limbaugh is an actual literal bleeding heart liberal and then then it was what was the other one? There's like oh, another thing Oh it was uh,
0: the brain was president of the United States. Yeah the uh, pinky and the brain yeah the brain is and, the yeah, president. Yeah and pinky's driving the pinky's flying the jet. Yeah and there was something
1: else in there too and I was just like oh
0: my god this is this is insane. And he never goes back to fix it. Didn't, no, the episode, episode just ends. ends. It's just like
1: cold end.
0: Yeah, but the 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 thing. Some of
1: the lines too are like like there's this line that Gutierrez gives to his uh his prison warden where uh, he's like like threatening him to so he can get the internet and he threatens to uh, squeeze him until all of his man juices run dry and the warden just goes, ew. If I don't have a phone line, lickety split. I shall squeeze you, and I shall keep on squeezing you until all your man juices run
0: dry. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's other like really inappropriate lines like when Dexter gets his uh, his pinnacle chip. For oh, oh, the other line was a uh, No Chevy Chase movies. That was <laughs> that oh, was that's the what other it one. Was. Yeah. So when Dexter gets his pinnacle chip, he he. Gets all excited and he says to his mom like,
1: "Can I go put it in? Okay, hon, but only in your
0: computer." <laughs> like, Where else is he gonna put? Is <laughs> it it's something? He, I I'm just gonna put the whole line in here because it says something of along the lines of like, "Can I insert it?" And she's like, "As long as it's in your computer." I know it's it's really funny, but there's that that's the thing is. We always, ask, we always ask whether this type of show would work again. And I honestly feel like you could just play this show without editing it, without updating it, without doing anything. And Because peop- the humor is so weird. People that- our age would watch it. And, and, and probably people 10 years older than us. There's
1: probably a lot of people who don't know what this is. I mentioned this show to somebody and they're like, what's that? And I was like, no. And I had to send them a link so that they knew what I was talking about. Well,
0: that's the thing is that like you were talking about how your mom watched it with you. There are so many parts of freakazoid just the writing in general that i was laughing so hard they had a at grizzly
1: ev- adams reference like in the in the very first episode they're like they give exposition like a quick exposition of what the next two episodes are going to be and then they go and at some point we're going to have a uh, a scene with a man fighting a fighting a bear uh no no they say we're going to have stock footage of a man fighting a bear yeah. And I was like, what? And they, they don't show it in the first episode, and they don't show it in the second episode, and then it gets to the very end, and it shows Grizzly... It's a, it's a cutscene from Grizzly Adams, which is like a TV show from the 70s, yeah. and he's literally fighting an actual bear. It's like three seconds of stock footage of that with some, like, like peaceful music in the background. Or there's, like, weird signs where Gutierrez says that revenge is a dish best served with pinto beans and muffins. Yeah. Like, what where do these lines come from well that line came from Star
0: Trek I know but they said pinto beans and muffins it's yeah, like
1: they just, to, they just decided to make it nonsensical
0: yeah the the thing about the thing that's great about this show is you can go back and watch it if you watched this show when you were the the age you know if you were like us and you were 12 13. Eleanor years old, loves this show she thinks it's the funniest <laughs> thing ever that's what's great about the show it's it's like Shrek it's like Shrek and like good old Warner Brothers Where you have stuff for kids that's slapstick and easy for them to understand. But then you have a lot of other stuff for adults that you can go back now. That's what I was saying. If you watch this show at the age that we were, you know, 12, 13 years old when it was on. And you go back now as, you know, in your late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, whatever you are. You go back now and you rewatch it. You, I guarantee, will catch a bunch of jokes that you had no idea what they were when the show was first on. When
1: I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I didn't know that the name of the actress for princess leia was carrie fisher oh yeah i just thought the i just thought that princess leia in the gold bikini was was hot at 12 years old yeah but i didn't know her name was carrie fisher but there's a reference to carrie fisher made by cosgrove where they're sitting in the car and frequently doesn't feel well and he's saying that there's a, dir- a disruption in his energy field and cosgrove says something along the lines of oh just like the force in star wars and he goes yeah just like that he goes oh i love star wars that carrie fisher is something else yeah it was just like what did he just like make a, a reference to like being sexually attracted to Carrie Fisher?
0: Well, there's other things too. Like at twelve, I had no idea. I think I knew the name Venice Beach because we both grew up in oh Southern Oh my California. god, the Venice Beach thing! Oh no, the Orange County Fair reference. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a I buzz around a citrus centered event or something. Oh, you're a bee at the Orange County Fair. Yeah and he lets him in But no the, the the part with Venice Beach Where like as a kid I think I might have heard Of Venice Beach Just as a beach You know Because we grew up so, At least I grew up Somewhat so, on the coast So for those who
1: don't know Venice Beach is a beach In Los Angeles That is generally The like
0: Weirdest place it, In like, Southern California Yeah
1: it's it's ground zero for the weirdest, most bizarre people that you'll find in Los Angeles.
0: Oh, and if you want to get a, uh, except for maybe
1: it, you know, Hollywood and Highland, but, but yeah, you'll find, I think, a bunch you find of...
0: I think you find more, more weirdos, less homeless. No, actually more weirdos, more homeless in Venice. Beach I was say, <laughs> it's just now it's just a lot of both. Yeah. But, but the, the, as the an villains an... tried to,
1: so in one of the episodes, the villains in Statuesque they try to escape capture. And so they end up, at venice well they they make reference to to the villain being too weird for venice beach yeah and so they spend this entire episode looking for him and then Freakasoid goes well you know we never did check venice beach i'm like no 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 he'd never be there he's too weird for there and sure enough that's exactly where he is yeah and, and they're he, like oh, you know we should be able to easily spot him and then cosgrove's like are you sure And they look around as a bunch of like weirdos and like,
0: and as as Holy a kid, shit, as so a kid, smart. you don't realize that. But then, as an adult, you go to Venice Beach, and you're like, "Yeah, this place has not changed in 23 years. It's the same weirdo place that." It was in the mid '90s, like maybe even a little bit weirder now. There's a lot more pot shops now in Venice Beach than there well, was. you know, in it's degree. legal now, but <laughs> yeah, I, I would argue there's probably not that many more pot shops now than there were in the okay. '90s. But there, it's just it's stuff like that. There's there's little nuggets for adults, and I think that that sort of speaks to the writing and a lot the of the Don ri- Ho reference in the. Ha- in you the- guys are a little early for the Don Ho show. It's like Don Ho would not have
1: been alive during World War II. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, but not performing. No, I mean, tiny bubbles. Yeah, was, that was later
0: in the wine.
1: I just, <laughs> I love it's Don like Ho. there's so <laughs>
0: many of these like, Make there's so
1: many me of happy. these weird references. I just like you have to wonder like how much fun they must have had in the writers'
0: room. That's like, the thing. The show. That's the thing is is the. I love the writers for, for this show, and it's a lot of the same people. It's the writers for this show, for Animaniacs, for Pinky and the Brain, Tiny for Tunes. Tiny Tunes, for Road Rovers, for Hysteria. The shows are all fairly similar, and they all carried sort of the same groups of people around, the same, the same voice actors, the same writers. Not all the same, but they carried a lot of the same people around. Specifically, they carried, you know, Tom Ruiger and Paul Rugg, and uh, and a couple of the other people. And it really shows like they had a good thing going, and they wrote good, smart, funny scripts. Well, that Kids were, WB
1: had like a big; uh, they were sort of a big deal there in the it in was, the mid nineties for a while because Pokemon ended up on WB. Well, also,
0: and they had all these other shows at there. this time. You had the the uh, it was a it was a it was a renaissance of Warner Brothers. It was a Warner Brothers. Well, renaissance. It was really a renaissance of animation because you had sort of a lull to be. Let's be honest. Yeah, Hanna Barbera
1: has many memorable characters but they are not animated well and although
0: Ooh. some of the stories were interesting ish they weren't complicated speaking of Hanna barbera you want to know why every single Hanna barbera character either wears a tie or has a collar because it makes them super easy to animate because you don't yeah. have to change their you don't have to change either their body or their head you can keep their he- body in one place and have their head turn around and you can reuse cell animation yeah exactly <laughs> it's just cheaper way to draw characters yeah.
1: I, I would argue that you know when we started seeing things like the Wuzzles and Ducktales, like back back and, and Gummy Bears, uh, that sort of opened the door and, and Little Mermaid also. But mm-hmm. you started seeing this stuff with, with like in the early eighties on TV, and then later eighties uh, and into the nineties with like the Don Bluth movies and and Disney. Uh, there was this huge, just sort of animated renaissance that caught fire Mm -hmm. and this happened i would say that this show happened really sort of at the peak you know when when you could irreverently make a show like this on on like a major network by and have it be made by steven by steven spielberg Mm -hmm. and have really no repercussions for it (laughs) like none you know, and then you have all these other shows that he did, like Animaniacs and Tiny Toons and all this other stuff. I mean, Earthworm Jim had an animated show, for God's sake. Like, like really, you know, it was really sort of the zenith. And then I would argue around the time that we got to the late 90s, we started see, like as Hey Arnold and Pepper Ann and stuff started like kind of coming in. Uh, we sort of started to see the shows and Wild Thornberries. And and when those shows started to come in, we started to see a sort of drop off everywhere else you know i would say in the early 2000s things just sort of fell off a cliff and then the animation i would say in the last eight years or so has been the stories are good and they might be funny but they're written for adults and they're mm-hmm. done animation wise in a way that looks sort of lazy it's like lazy character design but this this i feel like is like right there in that right in that pinnacle time
0: yeah the the, sh- the show the the show is funny. It's, That's my rant, my soapbox. Yeah, your soapbox. The show is funny. It's well-written. It's pretty well-animated. Um, it's goofy. It has stuff for kids, and it has stuff for adults. Your kid loved it. I loved it. I'm assuming you loved it again. I love. Well, I mean... You never stopped loving it? I- I've been watching it for the last... You know, since we started the
1: podcast. So, I watch it on and off. Prob- I watch an episode or two here or there since, since we've been doing it.
0: Yeah, and I, I will say that you know, we we sometimes, a lot of times, actually, will recommend going back and rewatching uh, a show for for various reasons. I think that's because I'm willing to watch almost anything. Yeah, but I think this one specifically, Freakazoid specifically, I feel like there is. Uh, absolutely a reason to go back and rewatch it if you hadn't seen it in a, in a number of years because there are jokes that you did not get when you were 10 this or 12 is like years smart old
1: smart animated television for adults that your kids will think is funny and you won't feel bad about about sitting there watching it
0: yeah and if you grew up in the time you'll at least know the references you'll know who Barbara Streisand is you'll know who Bill Clinton is you'll know who all these people are that they're referencing or at least you you'll know how who most of them are I don't know if you're going to know who Jack Valenti is but You'll know who most of these people are. Or Marty Ingalls. Or Marty <laughs> Ingalls. I mean, I laughed and I didn't know who that was. Just the way that they... Because the, the delivery Yeah, is just funny. the way that they played it, you know? And, and absolutely go back and rewatch this show. It's it's 100% worth it. You need to see the jokes that you didn't get when you were 12. Absolutely. You have to. And
1: I cannot... I'm trying to think if there's a category of person that I'd be like, Oh, no, this isn't for no, you. No, everyone. No, Everyone. everyone. Yeah, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who would watch an episode of this and go, you know, that's not really well written. Uh, you know, this isn't really entertaining. This isn't really
0: funny. There, it's it's funny. It's just plain and simple funny. Yeah. Um, but that's probably going to do it for this episode. Uh, I think that's it this week. But yeah. we got, we still have more requests coming.
1: I think Sean and I have decided that I think what we're going to start doing is. Try to work more of the bad ones in for a while. Yeah, because we, it's
0: always fun to talk about the shows that we really love, but it's also a lot of fun to talk about the terrible ones that should never have been made in the first place. Yeah, we kind of get to rage a little bit. Like you know, we we hadn't done a truly,
1: truly terrible, awful show like Street Sharks, and I think I feel like we haven't done one that bad really in a long time. I would say Jason the Wheel Warriors was probably the last time I remember watching something that I was vilely, <laughs> ju- just violently sort of upset at having to watch yeah well,
0: but there's plenty more of those oh yeah so if you have terrible ones you want us to watch definitely request those do. yeah if you want to if you want to request any of those terrible ones uh, check out our website childhoodremaster.com. it has our contact information you can send us an, uh, an email you can go on any of our social media facebook or twitter or anything send us a message let us know what you want us to cover uh, if you want to uh, check out our theme music, you can do that on our music page. The song is Nascent by John Hayworth. So uh, if you uh, like that song, check out his his SoundCloud. There's links to it on our website. We also want to mention uh, the podcast network we're part of, ACPN. If ACPNet.net. Yep, check them out at ACPNet.net. There's a bunch of good shows on there that you can check out. Um, all kinds of nostalgia or pop culture or or movie based and all kinds of great stuff. So check them out. And, uh, and we're always looking to do fun,
1: reach out stuff. So if you know somebody out there in podcast land doing something that you think would be a good fit, you can mash us together. We'll see if, if maybe we might do something fun because it's fun for us to do that. I stuff. love collaborative reach arounds. I do like collaborative. It depends on the, it depends on the size of the hands. Oh
0: uh, yeah. And how, how, <laughs> how well manicured they are. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Not not too many calluses. No, it's not too many. But uh, that'll probably do it for this episode. Uh it, it was really I loved watching this show. I can't I can't stress enough how much this show has held up over the years and how good it still is. Go back and rewatch it. I feel it. like it's one of the best shows that we've covered. Yeah. Go-
1: in ways that yeah, okay, we talked about DuckTales in that way, sure. But but this, in a way that I feel like Ducktales isn't. Ducktales is like it's a fun nostalgia trip. It didn't it's have good a lot for kids, but it's not for adults either. No,
0: it didn't have a lot of like. Uh, of this that is just sub- like blatant for adults. If you yeah. want, it didn't have that subtext. Didn't have any of that good stuff. So, check it out. Check out our website. Uh, let us know what you think, and uh, that'll probably do it. So, uh, until next time, this, this is Sean. Sorry, let's let's fix that. So that'll probably do it for this week. So until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your childhood remastered. We will see you next time. Aw Freak Out! On paper. It freak was in!